Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nick's World of Sports. My name is Nick Sapola, and uh, baseball is back today. We had some games going on. I know my Yankees are playing at 1.30. They're playing a doubleheader against Houston. That's going to be a lot of fun. whole lot of other stuff going on, but it was a nice little break. I figured today, you know, since there's no games to talk about from yesterday or games from another point, I might as well get into a little something cool. I've been working on this for a few years. This is it. It's something I really, really put together over the last few months. This is my should-be Hall of Famer in baseball list. It's Thursday. Maybe I'm thinking we do something new, a little call Thursday Talks or something, where we just sit down, have a normal conversation, just talk about some, you know, some things not related to the current day of sport, but, like, what could be or something like that, something weird. I should say something weird, something different. Anyways, let's get into it. So the should-be Hall of Famers. This is basically my opinion, first off. I think the Baseball Writers Association is the worst group of people that elects anyone into the Hall of Fame of any sports. Like, I think they're terrible. Their standards are ridiculous. And it's like, there's guys that should 100% be Hall of Famers based on their resumes and aren't because there's some nerds out there that are like, oh, uh, his war is not exactly 60 or 65 or some weird shit like that or... Oh, he played for the Yankees. He he should be in the Hall of Fame because well, it's just going to become the New York Yankees Hall of Fame, not just the Hall. It should be the Hall of Fame of baseball. And there's a lot of bias put into it too. There are weird rules or weird like unwritten rules like if you use steroids, you cheated, you can't be in the Hall. But David Ortiz and Mike Piazza, Jeff Bagwell, a couple Pudge Rodriguez, they're all in the Hall of Fame. It's a little weird to me, and I think they shouldn't be Hall of Famers if A. Rod and Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire aren't Hall of Famers. My personal stance on the whole steroid thing, it's pretty simple. If someone who used them and it was known throughout their career, or they admitted to it, if they were on the juice, they should be, and if they were cheating, they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. However, if you let one of them in, like let's say, for example, Roger Clemens got in, then, you know then you got to let everyone else in. That's just fair. Just how it is. It's just how it is, unfortunately. I'm not going to name everyone today. I'm going to go through a few, break down a few. I'll do a few position players because I have eight pages worth of writing here about who should and should be in the Hall of Fame, including guys that I have different categories from PED allegations, banned for life, cheating s- scandals like the East Nashville's one, I have pitchers, both starters and relievers. I have position players from a lot of different eras. And I think it's a good list, to be honest. I think it's honest. I have explanations for everyone. Let's start with our dishonorable mentions for people who shouldn't even be near the Hall of Fame due to cheating allegations and steroid use. And I'm going off based off of, oh, you cheated, you used steroids, you shouldn't be in. Some of these names are not on the ballot anymore. Some of these are still on the ballot. And again, I feel like there's... And I'll also go into this after this. I'll tie this into PED players who shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. So let's get started with this. My The names on the dishonorable mentions are Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Rafael Palmeiro, Jason Giambi, Robinson Cano, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Gary Sheffield, Manny Ramirez, David Justice, Juan Gon. Miguel Tejada, Jose Canseco, Roger Clemens, and Kevin Brown. 
I listed those names because those are players that I get it if you use a PED just to because when you get hurt and you go through some surgeries and stuff and you have an injury or you're sick, you take a steroid and sometimes you forget to tell like your trainer or something. I know I've done that before in the past when I had uh, I had laryngitis my freshman year of college and I forgot to tell the trainer and thank God I didn't get a drug test because I was on some steroids for it. And then once the thing expired or the prescription expired, I never took steroids again. I never took a steroid again. I haven't, thankfully. I haven't been sick enough to. And I know that happens like when you're injured and you're rehabbing. Sometimes they give you a steroid, not just to advance it, but to, you know, kind of help you get back to where you need to feel. Or it gives you something like where you need to feel a little better. So I get that. There's a case of that on my list here, and there's a couple cases of it that have happened throughout baseball. Like, I know Chris Davis had a problem with it. I know in football, Ray Lewis had something with that, or Peyton Manning, like one of them when they were injured. They got some kind of illegal substance by the rules of the sport. But we're not going to talk about this today, about that, right? Or not right now. I'm just going to tell you, these are people that used it specifically to cheat and enhance their performance and give them an advantage over everyone else. And these are guys that I look at. If you look at their numbers and their baseball hall of, on Baseball Reference and their Hall of Fame like percentages and grades and all that stuff, WAR, chances, jaws, they're most of these guys. I think the only one that might not be a slam slam dunk is uh, Juan Gan or David Justice, but everyone else is slam dunks, like absolute slam dunks. Now we'll go into the shouldn't even sniff or should not be allowed to be Hall of Famers due to. PED allegations. I'll start with Ivan Pud Rodriguez, who was dubbed as one of the greatest catchers of all time. Well, Pudge was certainly on the juice, or almost certainly on the juice. I believe he was in the Mitchell Report. He also lost, I think it was like 30 pounds from when he was on it versus not. Like, and it was obvious he lost muscle. It wasn't fat, he lost muscle. And he kind of declined a bit after the alleged use. I think that's a very controversial one. One that maybe could slip through the cracks, but people tend to forget about that because it's Pudge Rodriguez, and he's a very likable guy. He wasn't like a, a complete D-bag. Great player, all that. I'll go to the next one on my list. I'm going to skip over one, just go to the next two. And there's one more i got to get to later. So... I'll start on another catcher, Mike Piazza. I mean, it's pretty obvious he was a roid guy, Piazza. He still had an absurd story. I'll, I'll get into the story. Like his father was friends with Tommy Lasorda, and he's like, I promise you, like, you got like, you draft my kid as a favor. I promise he'll be good. I mean, I'll put him anywhere. He can catch. He'll play any position. They put him at catcher. He goes down to the Dominican Summer League or something like that. And he's down there with all the Spanish kids that just break in. And he made his way all the way up to the major leagues to become one of the best power-hitting catchers of all time. I mean, his PED use was the reason he wasn't a first-ballot guy, in my opinion. If you're going to exclude guys like Roger Clemens and A-Rod, Barry Bonds, if I'm going to say someone like Pudge can't be in the Hall of Fame, then, yeah, most certainly Mike Piazza's not a Hall of Famer because of the PEDs. And I'm sorry, Mets fans. And I also love my U Miami guys. I love U Miami guys. I'm a big fan of the U. And I agree that 
you know, if you're on a juice, you can't be in the hall. If at least you're gonna keep everyone out. If everyone was in that was on the juice, fine. Mike Piazza's a hall of famer, but right now, no. It's a little bit of a weird effect because he did some good things when September 11th happened. Like he had the big home run. I know that's not necessarily a good thing, but he was always a, a decent person. And Mets fans loved him. The New York media loved him for the most part. I get it. But just because you're a good guy should not make you should not forgive what you did for cheating. We'll go next to a uh, Astros superstar before they were the cheating Astros, uh, Jeff Bagwell. Bags never tested positive, but it's believed he has used PEDs. There's a lot of evidence that he did. I mean, the dude's forearms were ginormous too, but he's like 50-50 to be honest. I'm not too sure about this one. I think he was, but if he did, he was very smart about it. He was like a Manny Ramirez type for a while until he actually got caught because Manny was an idiot. I shouldn't say Manny Ramirez. Like, where if you ever watched the uh, thing about him where he had uh, that one doctor just give him stuff that would be out of his system by the end of the game. Like, that was crazy. Like, I guess that's kind of what I mean by smart. Like, him and A-Rod were doing that. Anyways, we'll get into my last one for should not be Hall of Famer. And this one is David Ortiz, who's going to be a Hall of Famer this year in the class of 2022. And everyone and their mother has to know that, that he was on the juice. He was tied up to the big scandal when Manny Ramirez first tested positive. It was evident throughout his career he was a roid head. The rage, it wasn't just normal rage, that was roid rage. He's always on the juice. I thought it was very obvious. And it's just a, sh it's a sin that he's in the Hall of Fame. Especially first ballot. That was BS on the writer's part. Like, he's... Just because he recently has a good public image, I think, I hate to say it, this is going to sound really negative, but the way he handled the Boston Marathon bombings, where he spoke at games, grabbed the microphone, kind of made himself seem like, you know, we're going to get through this together as a motivational guy, someone who's positive, that shouldn't make you a Hall of Famer. That shouldn't forgive. I believe he was popped twice. I know for a fact he was popped once. I believe it was twice, maybe. But if you're popped for PEDs, you shouldn't even be considered for Cooperstown if that's what the, the bar is right now. The fact that A-Rod's not a Hall of Famer, the fact that we're not going to see, like, a very underrated superstar of his time, Kevin Brown, we're not going to see a uh, 500 home run guy like Rafael Palmeiro, we're not going to see Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire. We're not going to see those guys as Hall of Famers, but we're going to see David Ortiz as a Hall of Famer. It's despicable. It is disgusting. It is asinine. And it is complete bullshit by the Writers Association. Because just because he had a nice public image and really has kind of turned his life around a bit and seemed like a decent guy, they're redeeming him. Be like, yeah, he didn't cheat. He's a Hall of Famer. Then what about A-Rod? A-Rod's also a uh, television personality. And he's done a decent job with it. But he just can't stay away from the strippers, A-Rod. He can't stay away from cheating. Bad headlines. Negative press, I guess. But David Ortiz is like, oh my god. Big Poppy, he's such a good guy. He never did anything wrong. Bullshit. I can argue David Ortiz, at least from the Writers Association, not the, uh, like the Veterans Committee or what they call it now, the Modern Day Committee. Like, I can argue David Ortiz is the worst Hall of Famer elected by the Writers Association of my lifetime. 100%. I could argue that up and down. I get it. The DH position's new. And, yeah, he didn't have to field. He's a terrible fielder. But I'm saying P, the cheating, 
and all the other shit before the Boston Marathon bombing and his turnaround as a, and shown as a good person. No, David Ortiz, and it's not just Yankee fan bias. I think a lot of people would agree with this. If he was a Hall of Famer, it'd have to be like a later ballot. First ballot is disgusting. That is terrible. There are some all-time greats that weren't first ballots, and I think that should have been. And he's a first ballot Hall of Fame? Come on. I think it's time we abolished the Writers Association and made it a different thing or reworked it because I think it's terrible, the process. All right. Enough about bashing current Hall of Famers. Let's get into a few position players right now. We'll talk about a few of them, why they should be. I could maybe throw in a little why they aren't already. But let's start off with a, uh, a personal one for me, or one of the personal ones for me. Yankees great Thurman Munson. Thurman Munson should be a Hall of Famer. It is, I still can't believe he's not in the Hall of Fame after all this. If he wasn't killed in a plane crash during the prime of his career, the former Yankee captain, the first one since Lou Gehrig, he was a slam dunk Hall of Famer. He's an MVP, two-time World Series champion, one of the best hitting catchers of his era. Him and uh, Carlton Fisk had a huge back and forth between who's better, who's not. Thurman Munson was tough as nails. He's a good guy. Played the game right. And I hope one day the committee, the whatever, veterans or modern day, I always forget what it is called now. If someone wants it, let me know at some point. That'd be cool. I just say veteran. If I say veterans committee a lot, I'm sorry. I know it's not the veterans committee anymore, but that's how it's been for the first 20 some odd years of my life. But he should be a slam dunk Hall of Famer. I hope the committee goes back and be like, oh, okay, Thurman Monson Hall of Famer. Because I know it's supposed to be like 10 years of service time. I think he died in the middle of his 10th year or towards the end of year 10. Yeah, is that the, like, the middle or end of year 10? He had like nine point something years of service time. And I get it. You have to have 10 years of service time to be a Hall of Famer. That's part of the requirements, and I understand it. But there's got to be an exception to the rule here. Like, he couldn't control that he died then. And it was an accidental death. Like, come on. Like, that's the one of the best catchers of that era. You can tell me one of the best players of that era is not a Hall of Famer because he died in a plane crash. That's a little silly. That's silly. I think Thurman's definitely a Hall of Famer because, again, he would have been if he didn't die. If he never crashed his plane in Ohio. We were talking about Thurman Munson being one of the greatest catchers of all time. He was that good. He handled the staff well. He hit the he hit well. He's a great defender. Tough guy. Wanted to win, and he played for the greatest franchise in all sports. I get the whole, you know, Yankees thing where it's like, oh, no Yankees in the Hall of Fame kind of thing. You got to be like a generational talent now as a Yankee to make it. You can't just be someone else. Like you can't be, you know, there's no more, at like contributors I guess or guys that are forgotten or underrated Yankees that are Hall of Famers on the spectrum of everything I don't know speaking of a bit underrated careers and I guess someone has to be overlooked considered more of a Hall of Very Good guy I think let's go here Jimmy Rollins I think Jimmy Rollins is a Hall of Famer he was a major piece of some of the best Phillies teams ever fielded by Philadelphia he was a hit machine in his prime, and sometimes the best availability is availability. Go look at his twenty-seven. Go look at his two thousand seven MVP season and his mythical two thousand eight season. 
No one's going to have those kind of seasons ever again with the amount of games played and at-bats and hits. Maybe hits, but the games played and the at-bats and the consistency. Jimmy Rollins was, like, always on the field. Played north of 150 games a bunch of times. A few, I think those two years he was back-to-back 160, 162 or something like that. His middle of the, those mid-2000s, Jimmy Rollins was disgusting. He was arguably one of the best players in baseball. In his career, he had 2,455 career hits, and he had an unreal 30-game, 38-game hit streak in 2006. And that should further prove my point. That is something, 38 games at this point now is unheard of. I think the longest hit streak I've seen in a long time was probably like 18, 20 games. I remember the Ethier one when I was a kid. I think it was 30-something games Andre Ethier had a hit, and that was a big deal because people are still trying to chase down the 56-game streak by DiMaggio, and I don't think it'll ever be broken. If Pete Rose couldn't break it, I don't think anyone's going to break it. Same with guys like Derek Jeter, Ichiro Suzuki, guys who just always got hits and always found a way to get on base. Like, I just don't see it being broken. And Jimmy Rollins having 38 games in 2006, coming within 18 games of that, is pretty impressive. Especially with the way pitching is advanced, the way pitchers throw types of pitches they throw, the velocity. Jimmy Rollins is a Hall of Famer to me, just off, like, I shouldn't say off just that, but I should prove, like, a little bit, like, shit, maybe this guy is pretty close to being a Hall of Famer. It's closer than you think. I know the war might not be pretty. I know that, but I'll get into my whole war rant either today or in a later episode. Let's move on to uh, another Cardinal. No, he wasn't a Cardinal, I don't think, but... Yeah, he's a Cardinal, but let's move on to someone else. A, uh, yeah, former Philly, too, I'm pretty sure. Scott Rowland. There's no question a Hall of Famer. But the question now is, when will Scott Rowland be a Hall of Famer? He has a 70-career war, over 2,000 hits with 2,077. 316 home runs. Over 1,200 RBIs, eight-time Gold Glove winner, which is impressive at the hot corner, and a Rookie of the Year as long as as well as winning a World Series in 2006 with the St. Louis Cardinals over the heavily favored Detroit Tigers. That's pretty convincing to me. I mean, I know he's not first ballot. His numbers aren't necessarily first ballot. I get it. But if you don't think Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer, that's crazy. It's either the writers are going to do bad by him and do him dirty to him to the next Greg Nettles, which I would cry if he is, because I love Scott Rowland. Or they're going to elect him for the 2023 Hall, where I thought Rowland should have been elected this very year. This very year. You tell me Ortiz is a better Hall of Famer than Scott Rowland? Get the fuck out of here. Get the hell out of here, man. Bullshit. I, I think if he's not a Hall of Famer next year, then there's a problem. And I'm going to get really, really nervous for Scott Rowland. Because, I mean, he was... I know he was never someone that stood out like, holy shit, Scott Rowland, but his numbers are Hall of Fame worthy. And if he was playing today's era, I think he'd be even more appreciated because he was very underappreciated in his day. I know there's a lot of elite third basemen today, but I think Scott Rowland would really, really fit well in today's game. Great defender. Always one of the better defenders. And he's a guy who could hit homers, get on base, and get you a hit when you needed it. 
you know, I'll stop there for those three. I'm going to go into pitchers right now just so I can get a little bit more and then I can go back around. I'm going to talk about a pitcher I think for sure is a Hall of Famer, and the, the voters did him dirty, so dirty. This is why I hate the Baseball Writers Association. This is a guy, he wasn't even a Yankee. He was a Red Sox. He was a Diamondback, always against the Yankees, it seemed like. But he was the best pitcher, or one of the best pitchers of his day, Kurt Schilling. It is a damn shame he isn't in the Hall of Fame already. Damn shame. He's one of the best pitchers of the late 90s to early 2000s. He was virtually unhittable when he was on. He was a dynamic in the 2001 World Series. He was unreal in the 2004 postseason with the bloody sock game and all that. Even though we kind of know it was more of a hoax now, but he was pitching on a hurt ankle, shut down the 2004 Yankees, who I thought were a pretty good team. Not as good as the 03 team, but still a good team in 04. He is virtually unhittable in his career. The thing that did him in, what did him dirty, and that why the writers won't vote him in either, his political opinion. Are you fucking kidding me? Politics should not decide if you're a Hall of Famer or not. I get it. Off the field, it was a little weird, a little wonky. And the whole thing last year, I think it was, yeah, before this year, he's off the ballot now, Kurt Schilling. He's not eligible to be voted in anymore. It was like nine years or whatever. He's, uh, after his ninth year, he didn't make it. He's like, I would like to forego my tenth year and allow the writers to, not the writers, the uh, Veterans Committee to elect me into the Hall of Fame instead and do me right. I'm with Kurt on that. Are you kidding? Just because he was someone that was a Republican, the right, and he was very Republican, he did say a lot of outlandish things, but just because of his political opinion, the baseball writer's like, oh yeah, fuck Kurt Schilling, he's not a Hall of Famer. That's horse shit. That is bull. My God, I could talk about this for a while. Like, That's like selling someone, yeah, you know, you're like the best in your position, but you're not what we like. Like, that's like, I don't, I don't want to say racism, because it's kind of like, like, for example, let's say I went to go apply for a job, and someone else went to apply for a job but had a different opinion of mine, or a different, you know, something about them that made them different. Even though, I, I'm not different, but like, you know what I mean, like, uh, how do I explain this without saying something really stupid? Yeah, let's do it like political party. Let's say I go somewhere and I have a different political opinion than someone else. I'm more qualified for the job. I'm better at the job. I'm someone who works harder, does everything right. Or not right, but does everything like, you know, the way it should be done. And there's someone that comes in, not take it as serious, not as, nearly as good, not like qualified as I am. But they have a different political opinion than me that aligns better with that said company or said job. And they hire them because of a, because they don't like my political opinion. That's silly. In the world that we live in, where it is the way it is, where everything has to be, it seems very liberal at this point, with at least the younger generation, which is my generation. Everything seems to be very liberal and stuff, where you have to you know, align a certain way for jobs to want you. This is how I feel like with Kurt Schilling. Like, just because he doesn't have a certain political opinion, and his opinion's very out there, and he's very out there as a person, they don't want him to be a Hall of Famer. That's stupid. That's very stupid. Like, come on. If you're letting known cheaters into the Hall of Famer, you're still considering, like, watch, like, a few years down the line. Let's say Jose Altuve does get his war to 60 or something, or 70. 
and he has a Hall of Fame type career. The writers decide to vote him in over Kurt Schilling. That 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 the credibility of the writers is is gonna be it's there's gonna be no credibility. They're gonna lose all of it. Known cheaters like that getting into the Hall of Famer. PED users like David Ortiz being first ballot or Mike Piazza or even like a 50-50 guy like Jeff Bagwell being a Hall of Famer. Like, come on now, guys. This is a guy who is clean. He pitched the right way. Competitor. There's a great video. If you ever watched the 2001 World Series DVD, I watched it a few years ago for the first time. I always was really into that stuff. There's a great clip of him. I think it was game three or game four at Yankee Stadium. He's pitching lights out. I think it was game four. Dominating. Bob Brentley takes him out in the eighth. And Kurt's like, no, 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 no. I want to go back out for the ninth. No, 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 no. This is my game. This is my game. He's like, you did a great job, Kirk. I'm thinking long term. Thinking long term. I might need you to, for a clincher in Arizona or something. What the hell? I. That's a competitor. That's a guy who wants it. And that's a... That's a Hall of Fame mindset, in my opinion. Kurt Schilling, Hall of Famer in my book. Should be. Should be. It is a disgrace. Disgrace. I don't need to do my digging on his numbers. They speak for themselves. Before I go and blow a gasket, waste the next 10, 15 minutes just talking about this situation, being just completely disgusted by the Raiders Association. I'm moving to someone else. I'll go to another Red Sox legend, Louis Tiant. I mean, you tell me a guy with 229 wins, a 66.1 war, a 3.30 ERA, and an ERA plus of 114 and just under 2,500 strikeouts for a career is not a Hall of Famer. It's kind of crazy to me, especially in the era he pitched in. Also, for those of you who don't know, ERA plus is where a hundred if you have you started a hundred let's say a hundred era plus means you're average you're an average pitcher if you're 114 era plus that means you're 14 points better than the average pitcher which is pretty good especially over a career let's say there's struggles you know up and down years decline getting used to it especially in an area that didn't know too much about era plus that's not bad for that kind of guy and to talk about Tiant more like he's done dirty and not looked at as well because he was very good. He was a star on a very mediocre era for the Red Sox and the Cleveland Indians at the time. Like those two teams were pretty mediocre during his time, and he played for both. Let's talk about his 1968 season. I, it's one of legend. That is one of the single best pitching seasons ever. Just by pure stats and advanced stats, everything everything backs up that Louis Tiant's 1968 season is one of legend. The fact that he didn't even receive a single Cy Young vote or finish in the top three is absurd. I believe it's first place votes for that, but I don't remember. I just know he wasn't top three. I, I have it written down here because I have a whole list. I'm going to make my list public after I finish up this whole series. This is part one of it. When I release this to the public, you're going to see everything I wrote. I'm going to make some edits, of course, but it's going to be really cool. I hope you guys really like it. I'm going to put it, I'm going to try and make like a website or something, or I'll put it on like our official Instagram or something. Crazy, crazy stuff. 
But get back to that 68 season, I know Denny McLean won that year in 68, and he was unanimous, which is absurd considering the season Louis Tion had. The fact that Denny McLean was a unanimous Cy Young winner over Louis Tion is kind of crazy. But I think Tion had a better year than Denny McLean. That's my opinion. And again, Louis Tion had a unique way of pitching. I know I've heard Michael Kay say it too when I watch Yankee games. I hear other people say he thinks Nestor Cortez is like a, min, a new version of Louis Tion. Or younger Louis Tion. Like, it's kind of cool to th- hear people still comparing Louis Tion to guys. but And it sucks that he's not a Hall of Famer. I think he should be. I think he'll get his day. Like one day, like there's plenty of guys that have gotten their day that I feel like have been a little more un- undeserving. But it'll be his day. He'll have his day. Let's move on to a couple of Yank. We'll go for. Wow. There's five guys I want to get into that were all Yankees at some point in their career that I've listed in a row, but only really two or three of them were known as Yankees, like career Yankees. Then after I do these few, we'll go back to hitters. And I think we might call the episode or we might go into something else. I'm starting talking about someone that's a little more controversial and might contradict something I said, Andy Pettit. He's the owner of the greatest pickoff move ever and arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, playoff and World Series pitcher ever. Pettit was a key piece to all five of the Yankees' championships since the beginning of the core four era from 1996 to own to when he retired in the mid 2010s and then came out of retirement and then retired again but he was a key piece to all five of the yankees world series titles in 96 98 99 2000 and 2009 and he helped guide the 05 astros to the fall classic along with pitching in the 2001 and 2003 world series for the yankees I mean, he was, I'm not going to sugarcoat it here, Pettit was listed on the Mitchell Report, which kind of made his case a bit invalid. However, Pettit spoke in front of a national jury. He claimed what he did was wrong. I believe the whole thing was, too, was he forgot to tell a trainer or a team doctor he was taking it for an elbow injury or he got prescribed a PED for elbow injuries or steroid, and he never reported it to team doctors when he was tested. I mean, this lapse of judgment shouldn't exclude Andy Pettit from the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. He's not a first ballot guy at all. No, I, I get it. But to tell me from all those teams the Yankees had that not one starter is a Hall of Famer from the dynasty. Roger Clemens will never be a Hall of Famer. David Wells won't be a Hall of Famer. I'll tell you that much. David Wells, I think, is overrated. I'm sorry, Yankees fans. I know he threw that perfect game and all, and he was great when he was good when he was on. But the injuries and the whole bunch of other stuff, the t- bad years, he couldn't keep it together. I don't think Wells is a Hall of Famer at all. He's on the Hall of very good list. I don't know. Andy Pettit's a Hall of Famer in my book. He should be. He shouldn't be excluded just because of a lapse of judgment by not telling an MLB or team representative of something he needed for treatment. Speaking of uh, lefties Yankees that should be Hall of Famers, let's talk about Ron Guidry, a Cy Young Award winner, a four-time All-Star, 
two-time World Series champion from 1977 to 1986. He was 163 and 79 with an ERA plus of 122. I know, I know records. Win record doesn't mean shit, according to most people, especially the advanced stat nerds. But win record does mean something because it means you pitched good enough to, for your team to win. Or it means your team gave you some runs and you were able to hold it down and make sure your team won. I think wins is not as important as stuff as ERA, ERA plus, whip, um, whole bunch of other things like that but i think wins should be very important k percentage or k rate spin rates and stuff like that i do think wins are important because it shows that hey you're capable of pitching a deep five to six innings at minimum of low scoring ball for the opposing team where you can hold them at bay and give your team a win allow your team's offense to go to work because Defense is okay in baseball. Offense is one half of the game. Defense is the other. If you're a good defensive team and you have a great pitcher, and you have great pitching, you know you're going to win a game. Ron Guidry is a Hall of Famer in my book because he was good enough to get 163 wins in that span of games, in that nine-year span. The Yankee bias or whatever it is, or the anti-Yankee pact, is probably keeping Gidry out of the hall. I know he only pitched 13 years. It's a bit of a short career. But his numbers are just absurd. They line up like pretty well with a lot of other legends that are in the Hall of Fame. It shouldn't be the main reason why you're excluding Louisiana Lightning. I get it. He was great when he was late. It might have been too little, too late, some people say. But Ron Guidry has numbers that many argue for his case for the Hall. And a lot of people in baseball, especially the time they play, like, oh, yeah, Ron Guidry, he should be a Hall of Famer. And he's had some of the better pitching seasons ever. And he was unhittable for a long time. And he's a big reason why they won two World Series championships. Him and Catfish Hunter together. That was probably the best one-two starting rotation in baseball during that period, too. That's a hot take, I know. But when Catfish was healthy with those Yankees teams, him and Guidry were unstoppable. Let's go into a guy who wasn't much of a Yankee but did play for the Yanks. And, again, a controversial one for me to even say this. But, hang on, excuse me, I got to sneeze. I'm not going to edit that out just because why not? I'm keeping it real. We keep it real here on Nick's World of Sports. Anyways, let's talk about Tommy John a little bit. There's a major career-saving surgery now named after him. That alone should make Tommy John a Hall of Famer because he saved the careers of a lot of guys that are either on Hall of Fame track or, you know, Need the major elbow surgery to save their careers. Let them go out there and pitch to the best of their ability. Like, Jacob DeGrom's had it. I'm pretty sure. I know a lot of big-name pitchers. Justin Verlander, who's having a career renaissance this year. A lot of big-name pitchers have had that surgery, and it saves their careers. and lets them keep pitching. That's a lone should make Tommy John a Hall of Famer just for saving everyone. All right, enough. All right, that's enough of the Tommy John jokes for me, I guess. 
but he had a long career. He pitched from age 20 all the way to age 46. That alone deserves a round of applause. That is impressive. His longevity is great. He had the surgery in his age 31 season, and he pitched another 14 years afterwards with no problems with the elbow, with a record of 164 and 125, a 3.66 ERA, a 1.344 whip, and two second-place Cy Young finishes. That's pretty damn good. John's career ERA is 3.34, and he has a career ERA plus of 111. That is two very good careers, or he has two very good careers all in one. It's almost like Tom Brady, where people like Tom Brady has, you know, three Hall of Fame careers all in one or something, or two Hall of Fame careers all in one. He is Tom Brady, in a way, Tommy John, without the rings. Because he's had two different do two different sides of his career, the pre-surgery and the post-surgery. And yeah, that's like pretty impressive. Again, for someone who had major experimental elbow surgery to save his career when he was in the middle of it, 31 years old. That's a, technically your prime years as a baseball player. He's in the middle of his prime. That saved his career. That saved Tommy John. Hall of Famer in my book, and he should be in yours too. I'm looking at you, Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm looking at you, Cooperstown. I'll go into one more Yankee real quick. Then I'll jump backwards, back to the hitters for a little bit. David Cohn is a, always a great discussion to have. The 1994 Cy Young Award winner, a five-time World Series champion, Threw a perfect game in 99. Mets and Yankees legend. Let's talk about that. He was a legend for the Mets and a legend for the Yankees. That's how much people love David Cohn. The Coneheads in the, in the mid-80s for the Mets. Mid to late 80s, whoever it was. The Coneheads for the Yankees in the mid to late 90s. 2000 even. He is a legend. And he was one of the best pitchers of his decade. Or his era. And he could succeed in any, could succeed in any era. I think he'd succeed in today's era. Cone was way ahead of his time with the different arm slots of pitches, having millions and millions of different pitches. Just the way he went about it, his delivery was always different. He had different. He would attack you with different arm angles, different velocities. He's like kind of what Nestor Cortez is now, or like Zach Greinke, Johnny Cueto, guys like that are similar to Coney. He has career numbers are pretty good is 2,500-plus strikeouts in his career. That definitely helps his case. Five-time World Series champion, too, does help. He's thrown a perfect game again. David Cohn, if he was in today's era, David Cohn would be a no-doubt Hall of Famer. That's my hot take. David Cohn, also a great story, too. He overcame an, he had an aneurysm in his shoulder. He pitched with an aneurysm in his shoulder, took time off for it, of course, got major surgery on it, came back later that year his first start out seven innings of no hit baseball they only pulled him because they didn't want anything to go too far david uh, david, uh joe tory told him look i don't want you to overdo it this is your first start back if he threw a no hitter in his first start back from an aneurysm if they let him go that's a wild wild story for baseball people out there and that's one they tell forever david Cohn, future cooperstown honoree Take that to the bank. David Cohn's a Hall of Famer someday. 
I also love him in the booth. He's such a good person in the booth. Maybe somehow that, but he is great in the booth. All right, let's hit a few more players, a few more position players. I'll get into a Braves legend real quick of Fred McGriff. He is a Hall of Famer in my book, most definitely. I know his war is 52.6. It's not the greatest by Cooperstown standards, and it's not like, oh, my God, oh, my God, his war is so high. Holy shit. I get it, but it's not terrible by Cooperstown standards. There's plenty of guys in there. Piazza's war is pretty low, and he's in the Hall of Fame. He has a 284 career batting average, nearly 500 home runs, 493. He's right in that Lou Gehrig territory of almost 500, not quite 500. I'm going to take a quick diver here. There's a crazy stat. Did you know that, you know, Joey Gallo's hitting like 168 right now? Did you know that Lou Gehrig with ALS at 139? That's like almost Joey Gallo territory. I mean, that's more impressive to me that he's hitting 139 with ALS. That, that was crazy. All right, enough Luke Gehrig talk. Let's go back to uh, McGriff. He's had, he has also 1,550 career RBIs. And that's all I really need to say about his stats with the 284 average and the 493 career home runs. He's a key piece to a lot of Braves teams that ruled the National League in the 90s. And he should definitely get his day at Cooperstown. I think more of that Braves team should be in the Hall of Fame. I know Smoltz is or should be. I know Glavin is or should be. I know Maddox is. I know Chipper's in the Hall. There's another player here on this team that I'm going to name later. I'm not going to get into him. Maybe two, I think, because I think another one did play for them for a period of time. But I know for a fact there should be more Hall of Famers from this team. Just like I could argue about the 90s Yankees, some of those teams being the greatest ever, I can argue for guys being in the Hall of Fame all day. But that's just not how it works sometimes. Fred McGriff, though, is one of those guys that 100% should be. He, he should be in the Hall of Fame. One of the best power-hitting first basemen of his era is not in the Hall of Fame. That's pretty sad. Let's move into a guy who, like Roland, was a Cardinal, but also was a member of a lot of other pretty good teams of his time. Jim Edmonds, one of the best defenders of his era as an outfielder. He has one of the greatest catches ever, too. If you want to go look it up, if you don't know who Jim Edmonds is and you're someone a little bit in the younger generation or you just forgot about him, go look up Jim, Jim Edmonds' diving catch on YouTube or something. He made one of the craziest, I think one of the best catches ever. Best catch I've ever seen in my time, or one of the best I've ever seen in my time. It was unreal. If advanced stats were back then, that catch percentage has to be 0 point like something, or 0 0.1, or 0 0.001. And the fact he caught that ball is unreal. Unreal. But that's not why he's a Hall of Famer. He has an interesting case. He has a career 60.1 war, which is nice, and usually a 60 war gets it done for Cooperstown and Shrinies. Like, a 60 war is, you know, Hall of Fame worthy. He has 393 career home runs, and just an RBI short of 2,000 career RBI is 1,999. It's a very nice counting stat. He has a career, not career, his 57.1 war from 1994 to 2005 is really nice. He's a key, mem a key member, ugh, a key member of some really good Cardinals teams. He was fourth in MVP voting in 2000, and a few years later, he would help the Cardinals defeat the Detroit Tigers in the World Series. Again, that's pretty good numbers. I heard people say Jim Edmonds wasn't the greatest player to play with, but the guy always knew how to get it done. Great defender. I can't even rave 
even further about his defending. There was someone I think that might have been a better defensive center fielder during this era. But he was a great center fielder. Jim Edmonds. Hall of Famer. He's still on the ballot. Make sure he gets in. That's all I'm going to say. We'll go to another great outfielder of the 2000s, Matt Holliday. He was also another Cardinal. There's less of a case compared to some of his other teammates like Todd Helton from the Rockies or other Cardinals teammates like Albert Pujols, obviously, or Yadi Molina. But he still deserves to be in the Hall, or at least considered for the Hall, because he's off the ballot. He got voted off, but he should still be considered. Just under 300 career average. He's a 299 career average. 316 home runs, over 1,200 RBIs. 108 career stolen bases is pretty nice for a guy, too, like him. Four career silver sluggers. And he nearly won the MVP in 07. Just missed it. A year, everyone wanted him to win the MVP. He lost to J-Roll, who definitely deserved the award, too. They both deserved it. But that would have been a better story if Matt Holliday won it. The better story didn't win for the, uh, the one time ever in Hall of Fame, not Hall of Fame, in MVP voting. Because usually in MVP voting, sometimes a better story trumps a great season. Jimmy Rollins, Jimmy Rollins ugh, had a better season, but Matt Holliday had the better story. The Coors effect may be true, but he still had a very nice career in St. Louis and elsewhere. And he could pick up some steam with his name going to the Veterans Committee or whatever it's now. I assumed he fell off the ballot due to low war. I get it. He had a little bit of a weird ending to his career. But Matt Holliday is someone that should be considered for the Hall just purely off of the way he performed as a player during his prime. And he was one of the best players of his generation in the outfield, one of the best outfielders of his time. Like, that should speak volumes, right, people? Like, if I get war being an important stat, but if you were one of the best and you had the best impact during your prime, during your era, like your 7- to 10-year prime, whatever it is, why not? Why not be in the Hall of Fame? Speaking of Ward stuff. Yeah, I'm going to wrap up with this. I'm going to wrap up with this one. I have one more. This one's going to get really heated. He's a Yankee. I get it. I know I have a lot of Yankees here, but trust me, there's a lot of them that aren't here that deserve to be. None of the teams they would be. I'm going to get really heated real quick about this one. This one, I always had a bone to pick, and I will fight this one to the day I die. The guy who is responsible for the turnaround in Yankee culture. When Steinbrenner stepped away, this is one of the big pieces they built around in the younger era. They wanted to be younger. They wanted to get younger. They wanted to get young talent through the draft and development. And this was the first big piece that really made it there. And this is the first piece that was the beginning of something great. I can argue they built around him. Let's talk about Bernie Williams. The most underrated baseball player of all time. Of all time. There's no other way for me to say this. Bernie Williams is the most underrated baseball player to ever play baseball. It is a sin. It is horrible. It is... An absolute questionable move it is asinine, corrupt, bias, whatever it is from the writers. 
It is a sin that he is not in the Hall of Fame. Oh, but he was a Yankee. We need to have fewer Yankees in the Hall of Fame. His war isn't even 60. He wasn't even the main guy on a boatload of Team of Stars. His war isn't even close to 60. He can't even be in the Hall. It's a sin. It's disgraceful. <sighs> stop it. Just stop. Stop. Here's the bottom line. I'm going to get really... I'm going to try to contain this. A bit. The Yankees would not have won shit without Bernie Williams. They wouldn't have. Jeter is probably thankful he played with Bernie. Jeter probably is going to tell his kids, I was lucky to play with Bernie Williams. Same with other great Yankee guys who aren't going to be in the Hall of Fame or are in the Hall of Fame. Like Wade Boggs is probably going to say he was thankful he played with Bernie Williams. Tino Martinez, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit, all those guys. I know Jeter was the main guy, but Bernie was the guy that made it go. He made it work. He was the glue guy. Without Bernie, the Yankees are nothing. Because if Tony, I'll be honest, Tony Oliva just got into the Hall of Fame. Tony Oliva's numbers are terrible. He is one of the worst guys ever elected into the Hall of Fame. Bernie Williams is way better than Tony Oliva. He is miles better than Tony Oliva. Four-time World Series champion, Bernie Williams was. Awesome defender. Switch hitter who could beat you any way possible from either side of the plate. Great guy off the field, too. Awesome guy. There's not a bad thing you could say about Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams is awesome. Awesome to watch. Awesome to be around. Awesome to play with. I know him and uh, Steinbrenner had a bit of a weird beef, but Bernie wanted to be a Yankee forever. He took like he got the Scotty Pippen treatment. I don't get it. Going back to Tony Oliva, his numbers compared to Bernie is really bad. If Tony Oliva is going to be a Hall of Famer, why can't Bernie Williams be a Hall of Famer? Why? Is it because he's a member of a really crappy team? Is that really it? Yeah, I just have to check something real quick. Is it time to be real? Oh no, it's not. I got fucked. I'll just check at the time. But. I don't get it. I love advanced metrics. Advanced metrics. I'm the first one to tell you that I think it's important in today's game. I think war is a great stat to look at. But if you think war, having a war, he's under 50, Bernie Williams, I'm pretty sure. You think, you're telling me a low war is the reason Bernie Williams is not in Cooperstown right now? And that he'll never be? If you're one of those nerds that only believes in advanced metrics and doesn't watch the product on the field, because in a way, I am a bit old schoolish. I love the product on the field. I love the way they play. Yes, see how a guy plays, the dynamic, the what he brings to a team. You're going to go tell me Bernie Williams isn't a Hall of Famer based off of war? Go outside and touch some fucking grass and go talk to some girls or something. Then after you do that, go back inside. Turn on the TV and go watch some old Yankee games. If you're one of those nerds that has nothing better to do, go watch some old Yankee games. Go watch from 95 till 2004. I know Bernie's career was 93 to 06, I'm pretty sure. But go watch from then on. Bernie Williams is a Hall of Famer. He should be.
he will be at some point if the if the Veterans Committee does him justice. I think he will be in my lifetime. Bernie Williams 100% deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Specifically, the playoff games go watch. Tell me he isn't a Hall of Famer to my face. My Instagram DM is open. If you have my number, my number is open. My messages, my email, whatever, it's open. Bernie Williams is a Hall of Famer. He deserves to be. He will be. And the fact that he isn't is sinful. Sinful. I know plenty of people who tell me he, he should be, too. A lot of my friends, we talk about it too. He should be. I have friends that are Mets fans that tell me he should be. And Red Sox fans even tell me he should be. Disgusting. Bernie Williams isn't a Hall of Famer. Bernie Williams deserves it. He deserves it. I think I'm going to end there. Because if I keep going, if I go to the next guy, it's going to get bad. It's going to get really bad. There's still plenty to go on this. I'll try and do this whenever there's some downtime. There's not anything to talk about. I might throw a part two in next week or maybe on a Saturday. Or next week on like a Thursday. Maybe this whole Thursday talk thing will be pretty cool. I guess I can call this Thursday Talks. We can sit down and talk about something cool every Thursday. Especially during football season, this would be cool to do it with more football stuff. More what ifs. More why they should be, why they shouldn't be. I'd like to thank you all again for joining me on today's episode we get some baseball back Yankees starting really soon I'm recording this right now it's 12.08 it'd be really cool to go further with this there's a lot of big names on here too that we'll get into for a lot of great teams during a lot of great eras we have a lot of multi-time MVPs multi-time Cy Young Award winners great relievers great all-time relievers great all-time just position players and next time we get here, we'll talk about guys who should not be in the Hall of Fame again that or considered for the Hall of Fame. There's a couple of good names here, too. Thank you for joining me, as always. If you want more behind-the-scenes content, access to the latest gear, latest information, live streams, potentially, one-on-one -on -one conversations, the opportunity to be featured on this show via voicemail, or via phone call, go to anchor.com and subscribe for $5 to the exclusive content. It goes a long way. Support your local creators. Support new creators. Support small creators. It's also very great to be back here in Studio 38. I'm hoping to keep it in here. I am going to be moving back into my team house very soon, but Studio 38 is a great spot to record. I like the acoustics in here, the privacy. I hope to be here for longer, and I hope to keep coming back here so I'm able to do these, especially with school picking up soon. Got a lot of great things planned for the show. We're hoping again. It is going to be, in the next couple of days, I'll be kind of confirming whether I'm going to do a live stream or not for the trade deadline. I'm hoping to do so. The video for this podcast, or the VOD for this one, will be uploaded on YouTube probably tomorrow. I think today I'm going to get the sound bites out, and tomorrow I'll put it on YouTube so we can watch. That's all for really today. And special shout-out to all you who make it this far. You guys are the real fans. You guys are family here at Nick's World of Sports. Shout-out to Movo for the microphone, the headphone set, and the, and the jack that plugs in the mic. 
this is all awesome this is some of the greatest stuff i've ever used this technology is incredible i feel like i'm really inside a radio station when i record with this stuff it feels professional and that'll do it for today be on the lookout for uh let's say tuesday i'm gonna have another episode out we'll talk about the weekend in baseball a little bit we'll talk about some other headlines that i found recently that have been intriguing maybe touch a bit on hockey free agency even though it's not much there maybe we'll do a little bit of trade deadline predictions we'll predict where all the big names are going maybe just maybe after the weekend my name is nick sapola and i'm signing out i'll see you guys next time peace